Mia Boyos, Misa Jaja Pigs, Misa no, 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 we're not doing a Jar Jar commercial. There's no way. Oh. Jar Jar. Just, just read the ad copy. Oh, all right. Well. Jets Toy Hut. We are collectors as well, so we know what the customer expects. The best zero movement packing and shipping online. We never just toss a collectible into a shipping box. All orders are packed secure using packing peanuts, bubble wrap, air pillows, or packaging paper. We also have the largest selection of Star Wars collectibles in stock on Amazon.com and Amazon.co.uk. We now have seven sizes of custom toy hut boxes and never pack a collectible loose. Zero movement. That's what we're all about. Toyhut.com. All too easy. This intro will sound funnier once the bleeps are edited in. I'm Torin Atkinson. In keeping with community standards, this podcast will be recorded from the waist up only. I'm Kevin Leeson. Warning. We are going to say the C word, and by that we mean church. I'm Robin Bougie. Shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits. You can't say it on television, but I'm Joe Fulgham, and this is Caustic Soda, live and unfucking censored. Well, thanks for coming, everybody. <laughs> the word origin of censor comes from actually the word, the Latin word censor, which was a Roman magistrate who took censuses, strangely enough, and oversaw public morals. It comes from the Latin censere, which means to judge. So it's basically oh, wow. Roman Judgy. for judging. Judginess. Judge. Interesting. Interesting. Right, Interesting. Yeah. Well, it seems appropriate. Uh, Censorship, uh, I've got a Wikipedia definition here. That's how I work. Which is therefore the best definition. Uh, Yeah, Uh, it's been crowdsourced. Because it's democratic. Yes, exactly. Censorship (laughs) is Unlike censors. We could vote to censor things, couldn't we? Uh, I vote to censor what he just said Uh, on the podcast. (laughs) All in favor? Three against one. That's going to get bleeped. Censorship is the suppression of speech or other public communication which may be considered objectionable, harmful, sensitive, or inconvenient as determined by a government, media outlet, or other controlling body. And I've got a couple of rationales for censorship, the reason why these happen and the the sources of them. Because Uh, boobies are evil. That's correct. That would probably be moral censorship. That's the removal of materials that are obscene or otherwise considered morally questionable. Uh, Pornography falls under that, especially child pornography. There's going to be a lot of uh, argument as to where that line is drawn. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Military censorship is the process of keeping military intelligence and tactics confidential and away from the enemy. Unlike Geraldo Rivera, who, uh, you remember, he was, out, he was embedded in that uh, right. invasion and he started to give away troop movements. And yeah, nice. so these guys are going up here. Yeah. And pretty soon they'll attack there. He should have been Geraldo. censored. He should yeah. have been censored maybe a little bit more. Political censorship occurs when governments hold back information from their citizens. This is often done to exert control over the populace and prevent free expression that might foment rebellion. Uh, mm. Don't talk about that. That makes us look bad. Mm. You might right. vote against yeah. us. That's not happening that. these days anywhere. No, we know no of, nowhere it? in the Middle East or anything. Or here. Religious censorship is the means by which any material considered objectionable by a certain faith is removed, and corporate censorship is the process by which editors in corporate media outlets intervene to disrupt the publishing of information that portrays their business or business partners in a negative light. Yeah, that's like uh, that's censorship through court documents. 
Exactly. Yeah. We'll sue you if you do that. Yeah. So, Torn, what have you got for the kind of the first example of censorship? Well, we have to go all the way back to the year 399 BC. Oh, that's a long time ago. And Socrates. Socrates? Uh. Socrates, as he's better known. Dude, Socrates. <laughs> The classical Greek philosopher clashed with Athenian politics and society rather than upholding a status quo and accepting the development of what he perceived as immorality. Socrates questioned the collective notion of might makes right that he felt was common in Greece. He was found guilty of both corrupting the minds of the youth of Athens and of impiety, which is to say not believing in the gods of the state Wow, at the time and subsequently sentenced to death by drinking a mixture containing poison hemlock. That is like the ultimate censorship when you get <laughs> yeah. killed. Yeah, we're going to make sure you never talk again. Here's a, here's a really gross smoothie. <laughs> That'll shut you up. The censorship smoothie. And then, Joe, you've got something on the church? Yeah, I'd like to thank Fred Bremer for bringing this up. Of course, the Catholic Church has maintained a lot of censorship over all sorts of sayings and doings. But curiously enough, thanks to how good they are at censoring and the documents that they kept, we recognize that there has been free thought going on through history for a long, long time. Because like a they lot kept of the arguments of the words that you cannot say right. on TV or in public. Yeah. <laughs> Jennifer Michael Hecht uh, talked about this in her speech at TAM, The Amazing Meeting, and said that 750 years ago, the church maintained excellent records of exactly what people are not allowed to say. And in her book, Doubt, A History, she wrote that in 1277, the church said it was now forbidden to, for anyone to say the following that theological discussions are based on fables. What? Okay. I know. Outrage. Richard All Dawkins, right. he's just copying somebody from 1277, <laughs> the God delusion. I'll just write this again. That there is no higher life than philosophical life. That nothing is known better because of knowing theology. So, so, those wh- are the so what people were saying was, look, theology doesn't teach us anything. Even in 1277, we learn nothing about the world from reading the well, Bible. Somebody was saying that, but then they got Somebody was, and then they said, you can't say that. Yeah. Right. You were also forbidden from saying that Christian revelation is an obstacle to learning. Mm. Christian revelation. And Isn't revelation the end of the world? Right. Christian revelation yeah. is that the, the Holy Word of God has been revealed to people. Oh, okay. The revelation. I was, I was about to say revelation. You mispronounced it. It's the revelation. The revelation. <laughs> Because Revelation is the end of the world. That would also be, uh, yes. be an obstacle to anything. Yeah, that's, a, that's, right. a, that's a full stop obstacle. Uh, you're also not allowed to say that nothing should be believed unless it is self-evident or could be asserted from things that are self-evident. So basically, stop talking about logic. <laughs> right. All right. Okay. And as eminent historian Etienne Gilson put in 1938, the list of these opinions is a sufficient proof of the fact that pure rationalism was steadily gaining ground around the end of the 13th century. Okay. But, right. as so, but we don't have actual evidence of the rationalism itself because that got censored. But we have right. the censorship documents that prove that people they were censored saying these somebody who said that they, they would not have made these lists of things you can't say if, unless people were saying them. Is it this is like kind of like the proof of black holes too? They can't actually see a black hole. We can just see the just absence see the, of everything else. Exactly. This is the <laughs> theological black hole. All right. Okay, I'm down with that. Well, that leads into the Index Librorum Prohibitorum. I love that name. Uh, Pope Paul I V. Not to be confused with Paul Pope. 
Oh, the on, a, on an IV. Yeah. <laughs> on an IV, yeah. Yeah, he was very dehydrated. Constant, yeah. constant drip. Comic nerds will get that uh, Paul Pope joke. <laughs> he ordered the first index of prohibited books in 1559. The index was issued again 20 times by different popes. The last index of prohibited books was issued as recently as 1948 and then finally abolished in 1966. These lists of books banned for their heretical or ideologically dangerous content were issued by the Roman Catholic Church. Zealous guardians carried out the sacred inquisition, banning and burning books, and sometimes also the authors. Uh-huh. I, I sense another podcast. In <laughs> <laughs> of course, the most famous of authors that the Catholic Church banned was Galileo, but they also banned authors Kepler, Sartre, Victor Hugo, Bacon, Milton. Now hold on a sec. Do they, they they ban them everywhere, like or just in like church libraries or church uh, things? Well, they well, couldn't ca- bring one into a church. Or else no, the Catholic Church flame. is nice. They don't go outside their own boundaries. <laughs> they never <laughs> influence they people who they don't aren't dip their toe in any pool that doesn't belong. The Catholic Church actually, around the time, controlled universities, uh, such as the famous Sorbonne, oh, and also controlled all publications. The Church decreed that no book could be printed or sold without permission of the Church. When was that? That was 1543. Okay, all right. No book wow. ever anywhere could be printed yeah. without the print. All right, all right. That, that sounds reasonable. So, you know, don't be coming in here with your Danielle Steele. And on the subject of letters and newspapers, the British Empire officially employed censorship of mail during the first half of the 20th century. Even today, the Postal Service remains a tool of censorship in countries where the import of prohibited literature, magazines, films, etc. is regulated. And we'll have some personal anecdotes uh, later on in the podcast from some of the people on the, uh, on, the panel. on the panel here. The rapid growth of newspapers in the 1600s represented a huge improvement of information sources for the illiterate people of Europe. But it also increased the authorities' worry that unlimited access to information would be harmful to society and public morals. All right, newspapers are a bad thing. Yeah, well, okay. anything that well, disseminates information. Well, it's a good thing now that we've almost wiped them out then. It, <laughs> yes, took us, exactly. it only took us a couple hundred years to get Phew. around to this, but newspapers the are a dying breed, <laughs> the going church. the way of the dodo. Finally! The church must be so happy. Yeah. The Licensing Act of 1662 was enforced in Britain until after the Great Plague of 1665, and in Germany the press was effectively inhibited during the Thirty Years' War through censorship, trade restrictions, and lack of paper for printing. That's one way to do it. Yep. Oh, yeah. well, well, hold on a second. What about the 30 years? So you, get, you just got a tattoo. <laughs> yeah. Tattoo people with your... I just wonder what they were using the paper for during a war, like paper airplanes, you know, trying to put people's eyes out. Uh, you know? Very effective in a war. Paper right. Yeah, well, what else are you using paper for in a war? Like, uh, I guess... Uh, you propaganda. could also make boats. Pro- uh, propaganda. Yeah. Huh. You could have the Air Force and the Navy in paper. The, yeah, <laughs> or paper hats that you put on sticks so people Maybe shoot they started. There you go. Right? That's what they were using They started for. building siege weapons out of paper mache. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Papier mache. Pa- sorry, papier mache. Yeah. And uh, I'd also like to talk about book burning and library burning. You would. You know what? One seems like more effective. <laughs> you know, yeah. you can burn each book individually. Yeah, or kill, just kill 20,000 birds with one stone. Yeah, yeah. single match. As early as 221 BC, the deliberate burning of a library was recorded in China. In Russia, in the past century, the Russian people have only been without formal censorship for about a generation. In 1922, the Central Censorship Office was established known as Glovlit. Glovlit. Say it with me. Glovlit. <laughs> Everything Russian sounds sinister. Everything. 
Its role was to purge the Soviet society of all expressions regarded as destructive to the new order and contagious to the minds of people. The Glovlet had absolute authority to censor the performing arts and all print media and to suppress political dissidents by shutting down hostile, air quotes, newspapers. The systematic destruction of libraries in the USSR is part of the longest and most extensive censorship in the 20th century. Well, it was the longest and most extensive totalitarian government of the 21st century. Imagine that. Censorship and totalitarian governments going hand in glove lit. (laughs) (laughs) Yes! The USSR imposed censorship on occupied countries and satellite states. When the USSR occupied Lithuania in 1940, a biblioside began. Lasting, <laughs> just stabbing books, constantly stabbing them. <laughs> Lasting in effect until 1989. The period of Soviet dominance was only interrupted by the German occupation in the 40s. <laughs> Speaking of book burning. <laughs> Did they do any book burning? Well, Goebbels had a quote, and that was, from these ashes will rise the phoenix of the new spirit. When he was talking about a pile of burnt yeah, books. A pile of burnt right, books. Okay. And uh, one, a German author named Heinrich Heine, possibly Heine. Uh, he said, where books are burned, in the end, people will burn. Uh-huh. And boy, they sure did. Well, he was so very right. Yeah, he used the books as kindling, because people are all wet. They're 90% water. Yeah. 20,000 volumes of, quote-unquote, offensive books in Germany in 1933 were burned, including any book written by a Jew, communist, or humanist. So pretty much all of them. Yeah, yeah. You'd want to really, if you were like a Jew or a communist or something like that, like write a pro-Nazi book and like really That's mess true. with their minds. Ingratiate Are you going to ban it? I wrote it. Uh, can you imagine going in? Can you imagine going into a Nazi library and it's just uh, forty thousand copies of Mein Kampf, right? <laughs> and then moving to the nineties in Serbia in nineteen ninety-one, the Serbian government banned Albanian as a language of instruction at all levels of education. Between 1990 and 1999, all libraries in Kosovo were subjected to the destruction of the Albanian language collections. Wow. They really no hated more, those Albanians. No more teaching Albanian in grade 8. Yeah. Can you, uh, yeah, exactly. you know, do an Albanian The dictate? students were probably thankful. Yeah. <laughs> I think one of the most famous bits about profane language, uh, language that is, tends to be banned, especially on television, would be George Carlin's Seven Dirty Words. Right, uh, yeah. Mention it in the intro. Uh, the Seven Dirty Words are seven English language words that George Carlin first listed in 1972 in his monologue. Seven words you can never say on television. The words are, again, shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits. I would just like to add, cocksucker should not be like an insult. Yeah. Like, or... Even necessarily motherfucker. Some of them or might the, like it. The mothers don't mind, I would hope. <laughs> you would hope. You would at least Depends once. on the circumstances. Yeah. Uh, you would yeah. hope. Yeah, I mean, minimum yeah. one time for them to be a mother. <laughs> Carlin was actually arrested for disturbing the peace when he performed the routine at a show outside Summerfest in Milwaukee. So for saying those words, disturbing the peace. See, the part that I found interesting about this story when I heard it years ago the first time was that none of those words were actually officially banned right. before uh-huh. he actually said them, right? Yeah. And then they, because he said them, they made it into the pantheon. They kind, of, oh. they kind of became the unofficial rules of the words you can't say. Some of them, though, have started to appear on television. Uh, tits, you can now kind of say, uh, I believe Ass was in there at one point. Uh, he's, he does do different versions of it. A different version of it was later on Filthy Words, 
In October 1973, Pacifica station WBAI-FM broadcast a version of the routine uncensored. John Douglas, an active member of Morality in Media, claimed that he heard the broadcast while driving with his then 15-year-old son, and he complained to the FCC that the material was inappropriate for the time of day. I thought uh, you were going to say that... that he was blaming it for crashing the car or something. No. <laughs> he, yeah, something actually bad happened because of bad words. Yeah. I like the whole no, idea he, that time of day could, you know, they're... Yeah. 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 Oh, I couldn't handle what it. What about it was, the guys who work the night shift, you know? And His argument only... is that kids are awake right. during that time of day. So following that lodging, a little bit of back and forth happened. The FCC said to Pacifica, do you have a response? Then they issued a declaratory order upholding the complaint, but they didn't have any sanctions. WBAI appealed this decision, which was overturned by the United States Court of Appeals. The FCC, in turn, appealed that to the Supreme Court, which in 1978 ruled in favor of the FCC in FCC versus Pacifica Foundation. And that decision formally established indecency regulation in American broadcasting. Thank you, George Carlin. So thank you, George Carlin, (laughs) for pushing them so far that they finally were able to go, here are the rules, and they're extreme. The, talk about the king of unintended consequences, right? Like, yeah. I, I'm sure when he started that, he's I'm gonna, thinking about the fact that he was actually going to get I'm those I'm going to make banned. speech freer by pointing out how silly this is. Yeah. And then the actual outcome is, thank you, now we have the list of words you can't say. Yeah. And uh, we've got a, 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 a government body that now has the authority to actually tell people they right. can't say those words. Uh, in follow-up rulings, the Supreme Court did establish the safe harbor provision that grants broadcasters the right to broadcast indecent but not obscene. And again, the decision <laughs> yeah. of what is what is yeah. up to whoever hears it. Material well, between the hours of 10 p.m. and 6 a.m., which is presumed when many children will be asleep. What if I find censorship obscene? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Egg fucking exactly. <laughs> I find you obscene. Oh, I'm FCCing you right now. <laughs> the Yillin's Post and Muhammad cartoons controversy began after 12 editorial cartoons, most of which depicted the Islamic prophet Muhammad, were published in Danish newspapers in 2005. Who remembers this? Probably Do you mean everybody. these ones that I'm projecting behind me? Oh, uh, obscene, outrageous, <laughs> heresy. Well, everyone knows that Danish newspaper cartoons are the funniest. So That's I am, true. <laughs> I am totally up to speed on all of these. I read them. They, they've, got a, a, they've got a table outside, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Danish I, contingent. Yeah, yeah. Mohammed sketches, $1. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go buy one once we're done. <laughs> the newspaper announced that this publication was an attempt to contribute to the debate regarding criticism of Islam and self-censorship. Danish Muslim organizations held public protests. Further examples of the cartoons were soon reprinted in newspapers in more than 50 other countries. Yeah, reporting on the story yeah, of the protests exactly. and whatnot. Four months later, Muslim protests, uh, Muslims protested across the Islamic world, some of which es- escalated into violence, including firing on crowds of protesters, resulting in a total of more than 100 reported deaths, the bombing of the Danish embassy in Pakistan, setting fire to the Danish embassies in Syria, Lebanon, and Iran, and storming European buildings. Okay. Not a good time to be a Danish ambassador. Holy free holy. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, can you imagine being a Danish ambassador in like a Muslim country, and they, some newspaper puts out these cartoons, and they start firebombing your building? Yeah. He would have been like, comics are really dangerous. <laughs> 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 Fucking cartoons. I didn't know anything about them before this. I thought Peanuts was cute, but now I don't know. <laughs> Various groups, primarily in the Western world, responded by endorsing the Danish policies, including buy Danish campaigns and other displays of support. Oh, I did I, that, but I bought a Danish. Yeah, yeah you I bought a Danish. I kind of screwed it up. 
and it was delicious. Mm-hmm. It, well, it had a picture of Muhammad on it, at least. <laughs> you know, keep it thematic. The baker was incredibly talented. <laughs> like, you just could not believe the detail. That's just pareidolia. You were just oh. seeing the Muhammad in there. It wasn't really in there. It was like oh, Jesus in the toast. I see Muhammad everywhere. Critics of the cartoons described them as Islamophobic or racist and argued that they are blasphemous to the people of the Muslim faith. Supporters have said that the cartoons illustrated an important issue in a period of Islamic terrorism and explained that their publication is a legitimate exercise of the right of free speech. They explained that Muslims were not targeted in a discriminatory way since unflattering cartoons of other religions or their leaders are frequently printed true. Yeah. That part is true. Mm -hmm. You should be allowed to make fun of everybody, I think. I mean, sometimes it might be in bad taste, (laughs) but you should be free to do things that are in bad taste. Except for Family Circus. Except for Family Circus, that needs to be banned. Didn't you once, Robin, you once published a book of Family Circus where the pictures were the same, but all of the captions were disgusting. Yeah, we called it Family Suck Ass. Family Suck Ass. Do you have that at your table by any chance? No. (laughs) (laughs) No. Which, Which was your favorite Family Suck Ass? Oh, man. Too many to count. Uh, I, I don't, some of them were just the simplicity of them was what I liked about. There was one of Billy uh, holding down one key on a piano and saying, "I'm a fucking prodigy." <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty awesome. Joe, what is the Scunthorpe problem? Yeah, this is one that I, I found uh, while researching. I think Fred, did you help me up with this one as well? Yeah, okay, Fred. I'm Fred pointed this out. I'm guessing I'm going to go on a limb and say it's a new Harry Potter villain. Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, Harry Potter and the Scunthorpe Problem. It's, yeah. the, it's the new book. One million dollars, well, please. It, it, it might be, since uh, Harry Potter is probably going to start learning about the internet now that he's done with his wizarding skills. The Scunthorpe Problem occurs when a spam filter or search engine blocks emails or search results because their text contains a string of letters that are shared with an obscene word. Now, how do you spell Scunthorpe? Uh, S-C-U-N-T-H-O-R-P-E. S-C-U-N-T-H-O-R-P-E. The problem was named after an incident in 1996 in which AOL's dirty word filter prevented residents of the town Scunthorpe, North Lincolnshire, England, from creating accounts with AOL because the town's name contained the substring cunt. All right. Years later, Google's filters apparently made the same mistake, preventing residents from searching for local businesses that included Scunthorpe in their names. What what do these search engines think? That it was all, they were communicating obscenely in code? That this I, was this kind of like little I think they were just blanket. I think they just blanket any any word that contains cunt. You know, we, we're just not going to let. Did that Did they return. change the city name to Sahuhuthorpe? <laughs> uh, no, I think S- what's S- happened S- is Savagethorpe. <laughs> nice. I would live there. Uh, what has happened is now, of course, filtering has gotten quite a bit better. And I think they're put it, probably putting in exceptions and things like that. But it still does end up being a problem. I've got a list of uh, quite a few that are quite humorous here. I'll try and go through them quickly. Residents of Peniston, South Yorkshire, experience problems because the town's name includes the string penis. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, that's P-E-N-I-S-T-O-N-E. Is every single example of this going to be in the UK? Because it sounds like... <laughs> a lot of a lot them of, are, yeah. A lot of quite amused, amusingly... What about Dildo no- Newfoundland? Uh, I don't know. I don't think Dildo is all that censored, but you're, you're right. It should be. <laughs> I don't know. More, than, more dildos. More than Scunthorpe, anyway. <laughs> well, here's one. Let's see if anybody can pick up the word that's in here. Why do you hate Dildos here. so much, Kevin? Uh, in Surrey, there's a place called Lightwater. Oh, Light twat. Water. Twat. Right. Right. Residents of Clitheroe... Lancashire, England, have been repeatedly inconvenienced because the town's name includes the substring clit. 
Which is slang, of course, for clitoris. No one can find that town. (laughs) (laughs) And then there was a a bunghole shire. and (laughs) Felchville. A few people have had problems getting email addresses. Uh, Craig Coburn, C-O-C-K-B-U-R-N, could not get an AOL or Yahoo email address. Uh, A woman named Linda Callahan couldn't get an email address with her last name because it contained the substring Allah. Oh, interesting. What? Yeah. In 2000, a Canadian television news story on web filtering software found that the website for the Montreal Urban Community, com- uh, let, let me try to do this, uh, Communauté Urbaine de Montreal in French was entirely blocked because its domain name was its French acronym, C-U-M. www.cum.qc.ca. Oh, yeah, I found that the other night when I was trying to... uh, Oh, never mind, never mind, never mind. (laughs) Well, I mean, couldn't that possibly have been, like, you know, magnum cum laude or something like that? Absolutely. uh, You know, that seems like... It's not even that obscene a word. I agree. Why are they filtering it? I I don't know why people would filter fuck. It's not like you get hurt when you read it. Yeah. Well, or twat, or, or twat, or penis. Like, think of the children, Kevin. <laughs> they might hear a word and then go, "What does that mean?" And then you have to be uncomfortable for a few minutes when you explain what it is. Parents yeah. don't need that. Or if they're a little boy, you could say, "Oh, what's a penis? It's that thing." Yeah. You know, what if it's a girl? Simple. What if it's a girl, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> then you would have to. Uh, let's not even go there. Yeah. In October 2004. This whole conversation makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> Uh, in October 2004, it was reported that the Horniman Museum in London was failing to receive some of its emails due to filters mistakenly deciding that its name was a version of the words horny man. We should start supporting these uh, towns and places even more so because they're called That's horny right. man. By Danish, by horny man. People have had uh, hard times sometimes getting uh, job applications through because the word specialist actually contains the word Cialis, which, of course, is being blocked by a lot of spam filters. Mm. Uh, Not so much censoring there. In 2008, a news site run by the American Family Association. And uh, and that's like one of those organizations that's like totally anti-gay marriage that has a bunch of secret gay dudes in it. Have you noticed that any association with the the name family in it is always about like... (laughs) Like busting people down yeah, and yeah. like, yeah, and yeah keeping it's, gay it's, people it, from forming a family. Exactly, ironically yeah. enough, that's actually in my mind becoming a dirty word. Like yeah, whenever I family. see the word family, family in something, yeah. I'm extra skeptical. Yeah. <laughs> should we, should that be our bleep word for this entire yeah. episode? Yeah. We're gonna bleep out the word family whenever we say it. It'll be the American Beep Association. So they censored an Associated Press article on Sprinter Tyson Gay replacing instances of gay with the term homosexual, thus <laughs> rendering his name Tyson Homosexual. <laughs> and then I guess nobody double-checked after they did a search and replace. Nice. Now, it hasn't just been people stopping people from saying things. There's also been death threats, right, Tony? Yes, absolutely. Let's talk about the satanic verses. Yeah. 1988, Iran's supreme leader, Ayatollah Khomeini, uh, issued a fatwa against Salman Rushdie, calling on all good Muslims to kill Rushdie and his publishers. His novel, The Satanic Verses, caused violent reactions in many places in the Muslim world. Here are the instances of horror. Rushdie's Japanese translator was stabbed to death in July 1991. His Italian translator was seriously injured by stabbing the same month. His Norwegian publisher barely survived an attempted assassination in Oslo in October 1993. Are these people all like taking a taking a knife for Rushdie? Like are they diving in between, or are the that's stabbers the, just particularly? Well, bad? he said, that's, and that's his publisher. It's rough to be a, the yeah. translator. You didn't even write it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> you should have known better. <laughs> the Turkish translator was the intended target in the events that led to the Sivas massacre in July 1993 in Turkey, which resulted in the deaths of 37 people when a mob of radical Islamists uh, set fire to the hotel where the group had assembled. Oh, uh, that's... Didn't they have cops there? Were... Yeah, yeah, they didn't do anything. They did nothing oh. to intervene. But firefighters? Nothing? The firefighters, I don't know where they were. <laughs> they Is may have come later after everyone had burned to death. Uh, nice. Yeah. They need to start a fire department in Turkey, evidently. Yeah, maybe. Right. And the fatwa was eased in 1998, so a good uh, 10 years. Eased. Mm-hmm. Eased. Don't kill him, but uh, if you see him, spit at him or something. Yeah. What did don't they, give him your spare change. Has anybody actually read Satanic Verses? Anybody here at the table? No. My roommate had it on his bookshelf, yeah. and I was sorely tempted to read it. I've heard it's not of one of his best, but it's also not very offensive. Is what People are like, I don't understand what their problem was. That's what it's, I hear. But it's, I probably, read it. it's probably one of those classic, you know, uh, uh, all the people who were picketing outside The Last Temptation of Christ who would readily admit that they never saw it because it was obscene, yeah. and so they, you know, they didn't want to see it right. because they didn't want to see this obscene material, but they just knew that it was obscene even though they hadn't seen it. I assume that it was about a rock song and a deal with the devil and some... some oh, it's um, a Tenacious D album. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Satanic Verses. <laughs> I have a sad story to tell you It may hurt your feelings a bit Last night when I walked into my bathroom I stepped in a big pile of shaving cream be nice and clean, shave every day and you'll always look keen. I think I'll break off with my girlfriend, her antics are queer, I'll admit. Each time I say, darling, I love you, she tells me that I'm full of shaving cream. Be nice and clean. Shave every day and you'll always look keen. Our baby fell out of the window. You think that her head would be split. But good luck was with her that morning. She fell in a barrel of shaving cream. Be nice and clean. Shave every day and you'll always look keen. An old lady died in a bathtub. She died from a terrible fit. In order to fulfill her wishes, she was buried in six feet of shaving cream. Be nice and clean. Save every day and you'll always look keen. When I was in France with the army, one day I looked into my kit. I thought I would find me a sandwich, but the darn thing was loaded with shaving cream. Be nice and clean. Shave every day and you'll always look keen. And now, folks, my story is ended. I think it is time I should quit. If any of you feel offended, stick your head in a barrel of shaving cream. 
Be nice and clean. Shave every day and you'll always look keen. In the news. May 23rd, 2012. Ooh. Twitter has bowed to pressure from the London Organizing Committee of the Olympic Games, or LOCOG, to shut down the Space Hijackers account. Space Hijackers? That sounds like an awesome account. Why would anybody want to shut that down? The Space Hijackers describe themselves as an activist group which uses spoof and satire to ridicule authority and large corporations. They have previously targeted the world's largest arms fair, DSEI, Nike, and are now looking at the Olympics. It has declared itself the official protest group of the Olympics. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. On its website, the group has altered the official Olympics logo, I've got it up there, to display black and red, the traditional colors of anarchism. It seems like this attracted the ire of the LOCOG, a committee which critics say has dedicated itself to serving the interests of the Olympics' corporate sponsors. Basically, they complained to Twitter, and Twitter just said, okay, we're shutting this down because they are using your logo and it could be confusing. So it was kind of like a copyright infringement kind of a complaint. That's how they're censoring, right. right. This is, this is how, how corporations do this kind of thing and, and right. you know, keep that kind of speech from being spread around. Is to, from being free? From being free, yeah. Well, it was, uh, they had the same sort of thing. Didn't Crumb do a uh, cartoon way back in his early days that had a Mickey Mouse in it and then he got totally stomped on by, uh, by Disney? Yeah. That, that wasn't that wasn't Chrome. That was a another underground comic artist of Air Pirates. Oh, okay. Uh, Dan, somebody, I think. But yeah, it was like it was a copyright infringement. Yeah, they took title. him for copyright. Infringement. Yeah, fair Did use he... doesn't matter when you can't don't have the money to protect yourself in court. Yeah, like, that's kind of true. It just costs so much money to be able to have that fair use that's completely legitimate. Yeah. Are we? Sc- is that a catch twenty two? Or is that an onomatopoeia? That's an onomatopoeia. Yeah, there you go. Okay, I thought so. <laughs> Well, let's talk about comics. Okay. Since we're here at the Van Caff, Vancouver Comic An Arts, Arts Festival. Festival. Who is Mike Diana? Who can, who can answer this question? Well, he was uh, right about the time I was getting into mini-comics in the early 90s. That was uh, right about the time he was as well. And uh, he was living in Florida and uh, working as a, a janitor at a high school. And, uh, you know, I was on a budget and used the, uh, the high school uh, photocopier oh. to print up his uh, mini-comics. That doesn't sound like a terrible thing. What's uh, wrong well, with that? Well, right about that time, the police were looking for a killer. I believe it was a serial killer at the time. And, oh, really? Uh, they, were like, they didn't have any leads. And uh, somebody got their hands on one of his mini-comics, which were these kind of crudely uh, scratched uh, out, uh, you know, very, very simplistic style. Did they know? look like they were made by a janitor? <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was a young janitor, too. I think he was, he was like 18 or 19. He was like 18 years old. Okay. Yeah. And he like accidentally left some on the copier. That's how they found them. Oh. Right. Okay. So anyway, not a very so he, smart janitor either. He was, uh, you know... You not know. a very smart photocopier. Mm. Maybe he's an excellent janitor. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's a punk rock kid, and, you know, he was doing stuff, you know, to upset the uh, the man, and so he was drawing all basically the most offensive stuff he could think of. Yeah. Priest, okay. priest molesting kids, uh, feces smeared on things. Okay, but in the priest molesting kids one, doesn't isn't truth an absolute defense? Well, you would think. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. would think. So he got charged with obscenity for this. And as opposed to all those priests who actually molested kids and never spent a day in jail. Right. That's not obscene. Drawing a picture about it. They're perhaps. really crudely drawn picture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Is the quality it's, of the it's, picture it's, actually is that what? <laughs> well, it's, I think scale? it does because like you know, if he'd been if, a better artist, he would have stayed out of jail. <laughs> no, if, you know, I'm saying it would have been if he was a better artist, he'd been in more and tr- more trouble. Oh, because oh, if it's photorealistic, yeah. everybody goes like, wow. Yeah. But if it's Stickman, you're like, well, if he wow. had left it on a art gallery wall instead of in the photocopier, right? Uh huh. So he got charged and crazily enough convicted. He is the first American to be convicted of obscenity. And whatever in American history? Yeah. And there have been multiple appeals and it went all the way they tried to appeal to the United States Supreme Court and they denied the petition without comment, which means that's it, you're done. No more appeals. So he now has to serve out his sentence which is uh, probation, but on his probation, part of that is that any time law enforcement officials can search him to try and find comics that he has made and can seize them for any reason. Oh. So effectively, he is not allowed to create comics anymore yeah. as part of his punishment. Well, for he can make them, but he just can't hold on to them. He can't, yeah. <laughs> if he makes them, they'll take them away. Right. Exactly. Uh, outrageous. Yeah. Uh, one of the good things, though, is that he is serving his probation. Uh, his As community a janitor service. in a high school. <laughs> no, actually, <laughs> his community service, he is working for the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund oh, as a volunteer with them, fighting for the uh, rights of comic book creators to say and create whatever they like. Okay, all right. So good for him. That's full circle. They're kind of our official charity circle. of this episode, the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund, cbldf.org in the States. And in Canada, we have the Comic Legends Legal Defense Fund. Do we have any comic legends in Canada? <laughs> Torin, you're a comic legend. <laughs> I think you're confusing comic and legend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm free to do so in this society. <laughs> well, that kind of leads us into the Comic Code Authority yeah. story then. Which I'm sure we're all familiar with, having uh, grown up with those little. Uh, do we have the logo? For well, the that, Code and, and this audience was called from the Vancouver Comic and Arts Festival yeah. attendees. I'm sure there's a lot of background knowledge here. The Comics Code Authority was a tool for the comics publishing industry to self-regulate the content of comic books in the U.S. Member publishers submitted comics to the uh, to the CCA, which screened them for adherence to its Comics Code and authorized the use of their seal on the cover if the books complied. At the height of its influence, it was a de facto censor of the U.S. comic book industry. And Frederick Wortham's 1954 book, Seduction of the Innocent, had rallied opposition to gory and horrific material in comics, arguing that it was harmful to the children who made up a large segment of the comic book audience. Oh, the children. Somebody the children, think of the children. They, they believed that the comics caused crimes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I'm childish. That's true. Do I count? If anything that offends me, can I have it uh, censored? You could write a letter. Uh-huh. I need to write a book, though, evidently. And put seduction in it. I'll find some paper for you. (laughs) Before the CCA was adopted, some cities had already been organizing public burnings and bans on comic books. The city councils of Oklahoma City and Houston passed ordinances banning crime and horror comics. The Senate Subcommittee on Juvenile Delinquency Hearings in 1954, which focused specifically on comic books, had many publishers concerned about government regulation, prompting them to form a self-regulatory body instead. So, the code banned... All right, let's hear it. Graphic depictions of violence and gore in crime and horror comics. All right. Wait, in, in crime and horror comics? So you could put them in other comics? So a romance comic could have graphic depictions <laughs> yeah, of violence maybe. and gore? Maybe. I love you so much. Let me show you my heart. <laughs> 
I'll have to go through my uh, comic book box to check on that. Or this could be one of these like uh, snake eating the tail moments, right? That if it has graphic depictions, it becomes a becomes a, horror, a horror right. comic, uh, and then it then it it's eligible to be banned and blah blah blah. Uh, sexual innuendo of what aficionados refer to as good girl art. You guys know what good girl art is? Uh, it's something with Barbara Streisand in it. <laughs> She's featured Father, in can some- you hear me? <laughs> <laughs> the presentation of policemen, judges, government officials, and respected institutions in such a way as to create disrespect for established authority. Oh, well, you'd hate to disrespect established no authority. No cops on the take. Really? Huh. Uh, also, portrayals of cannibals, vampires, werewolves, ghouls, and zombies. What? All right. Well, that's not a definitive list. I mean, you still got trolls. <laughs> you got true. like kobolds. Yeah. You got. I mean, they, you got some room to maneuver within that definition. And I don't know if anyone remembers, but Marvel in the 1970s called the deceased mind-controlled followers of various Haitian supervillains Zuvembis. Really? Because <laughs> you couldn't put a zombie. You couldn't Is that for zombies. real? Yes. Oh <laughs> I wonder how they came up with Zuvembi. <laughs> Uh, probably had a meeting. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I probably would have just. I, I see. That's how I'm not that creative. I probably just would have been like Mombi. They replaced. Mom-y. Yeah. So they replaced <laughs> you know, the O with good. U-V-E. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's probably something really dirty. Maybe one of the guys' names who works there was Zuvem or something like that. Right. Oh, I've I've actually got the source here. Uh, a Zuvembi is a creature created by Robert E. Howard in his short story Pigeons from Hell, published in Weird Tales in 1938. Oh, there you go. Someone was a Robert E. Howard fan. Yeah. All yeah. <laughs> right. I like the fact that it was, there was any story called Pigeons from Hell. <laughs> well, Robert E. Howard was kind of a nut. <laughs> Use of the words horror or terror in their titles. Depictions of sex perversion, sexual abnormalities, and illicit sex relations, as well as seduction, rape, sadism, and masochism. And, of course, nudity, profanity, obscenity, and vulgarity. So where they said illicit sexual relations, and then they listed some things that fall outside of illicit sexual relations that are also banned. So they're covering all the bases, pretty much sex. This is is a short list. Yeah, this is Mary Tyler Moore and Dick Van Dyke have to sleep in separate beds. Yeah. Right, got it. Uh, Although the CCA had no official control over publishers, most distributors refused to carry comics that did not carry the seal. These restrictions helped make EC Comics, uh, who published Vault of Horror and Tales from the Crypt and so forth, unprofitable. All of its titles except Mad were canceled in the year following the CCA's introduction, and Mad itself survived because EC had converted the publication to a magazine format to which the code did not apply. Mm. And the last publishers discontinued their participation in the year... I know this. It, uh, 2007. 2011. Ah, last, last year. year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's almost an in the news right there. <laughs> Although yeah. it was, I do remember that about in the late 80s, early 90s, uh, or well, mid 80s, I would go to comic book stores, like specialty shops, and they did not have to follow the Comics Code Authority. So you would even get versions of comics where the cover was different because it went to a specialty shop and right. didn't, the cover could be a little racier or. Or more adult or something like that, because they didn't put the stamp on that one. Yeah, you would definitely find comics in the comic store that you wouldn't find in the magazine rack of right. the, the drugstore or whatever. They could also get around it uh, by a change in format, so that's why you saw uh, magazine-sized comics from Marvel mm-hmm. could show dirtier or more violent oh, things. okay. So you could make the dirty stuff bigger, <laughs> and then it became legal. Yeah. Nice. I thought, I thought that that was just a, uh, you know, a scam from the makers of the larger format Mylar bags <laughs> and the comic boxes. Yeah. It's a conspiracy. I thought that's what that was. A Mylar conspiracy. 
And I also remember there was a time like in the late 90s or early 2000s when uh, there were a bunch of comic stores getting flack because kids would go in there and it was on the people working at the comic store to make sure that the kids didn't see the not comics code approved stuff, like the right. stuff on the higher shelf or whatever. And there was some like possible the, closures this, of comic shops yeah, the, and stuff the like that. Yeah, the Legal Defense Fund has a bunch of uh, case uh, examples of th- things like store owners or just people working at stores getting charged with crimes right. for even selling these more adult comics to adults. Uh, at one point, they, the police sent in an undercover detective, and he bought uh, a comic that had been kept behind the counter where the guy was working, and you had to specifically ask for it. Sold it to this adult, who's obviously an adult, he's a cop, and then the guy got charged with, uh, with selling it. Oh, there you What's go. the crime? Uh, I, don't, I don't have the data, but if you go to cbldf.org, you can read about all this bullshit, and maybe that'll make you want to send some money to the CBLDF. Bastards. It's crazy. So this is like the uh, the comic store version of the bartender who uh, gets held liable for the guy who drinks in his bar and then goes out and drives. Yeah, except the guy, instead of drinking and driving and crashing and maybe killing somebody, he goes home and reads a comic on his own. <laughs> yeah. He could drink while he reads that comic, though. So I'm just going to say this to the lawmakers. You're fucking idiots. Like, <laughs> this is stupid. I think for a long time, comic books have been considered chi- like a child's medium. Yeah. So there's that bias in, in effect, too, because... It, it, Anything that they're talking about, shutting down people down for it's if they were in books or right. other formats or different genres, Think nobody of would. The children, if do nobody I, would care. Yeah, parents should be allowed to say what their kids get. I mean, I guess in certain ways, this is a very complicated subject. But if you don't want your kids to get, you know, say adult comics, then sure, they shouldn't be able to buy it. But this was an adult buying it. Well, right. The, the so. idea that an entire medium could be for children is ridiculous. It's like you wouldn't yeah. say all music is for children or yeah. all, you know. It's, well, it's in our no horses sense. episode, we established that uh, my little pony cartoons are not for children not just for children either (laughs) shout out to all our brony fans out there bronies unite (laughs) now uh, Robin you are the publisher of Cinema Sewer that's right the comic magazine is it a comic is it a magazine is it a bit of both yeah, it's like uh, it's journalism, kind of in, in a zine form. So that it's very, you know, it's personal. It's my opinion on things, but it's also done. Uh, I, I put a big emphasis on the history of uh, classic exploitation, classic porn, uh, old drive-in movies. Um, yeah, so it's and it's film journalism in in, in magazine format, uh, mixed in with uh, your own personal art as yes. uh, interstitials. Yeah, I'm also a, a pornographer in the in the sense that I I make porn comics. Oh, and very nice. Yeah, I also put out uh, sometimes DVDs. In fact, um, one of the things that I did was uh, this, uh, well, a friend of mine in, in the Netherlands, uh, we put together this uh, video mixtape called Retardotron. Retardotron? Yes. Mm-hmm. Can you find that at retardotron.com? <laughs> well, it's available from cinemasewer.com. Okay, perfect. Yeah. And um, it's, it's like, a, like a blender mixture of like all different forms of media. That's like all kind of slopped together. And it's like failed TV pilots, uh, you know, old like porn clips, video, uh, stuff from the internet. Lots and of people on skateboards hurt, hurting themselves. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's designed to put on at like get togethers and parties and whatnot. <laughs> I have seen Retardotron at a get together <laughs> slash party. Yeah. It's and like the kind of thing where you half, like, half the people are fascinated and half the people are horrified. Yeah. Yeah. It's a uh, it's a great conversation starter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so when my friend uh, finished the final edit of it, uh, he got the disc manufactured. Um he did the full packaging and you know the whole deal and he mailed me a box of a couple hundred of them for me to sell to fans of uh in my comics and at you know conventions like this. And uh Canada Customs opened the box and decided that uh 
I was not grown up enough to handle the contents of the box. Now, how old do you have to be? <laughs> I don't Did know. they give you a limit? <laughs> yeah, I don't Get know. back to us in 10 years? Well, it, their actual answer was, you are not old enough. No, I'm, I'm being facetious. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> you know? if they use the word mature, I would almost have to agree with them. <laughs> so, so, uh, you know, right. I was like 30, you know, right? Yeah. So, But uh, yeah, they opened it up, and they, they were nice enough to destroy it uh, for me. Oh, well. Oh, there you go. Yeah. They, they, so they didn't charge you for the destruction? No, they did. That was all nice right. of them. Yeah, okay. By destroy, what we mean is they all took a copy home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then they added my DVD to their uh, non-permissible list. Oh, you're on the list. Yes. So, which this does not mean that uh, Retardotron is illegal or banned in the country. It just means that no one is allowed to bring it in, in or out of the country. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. so you need to manufacture it in Canada, and then you can sell it, but you can't actually transport it across yeah. the border. Yeah. Oh, free trade. <laughs> free trade. Why were we arguing about this back in the 80s? Yeah. It made no difference. Well, the funny thing is that when Canada Customs um, steals your shit from your mail, uh, they send you a nice little checklist in the mail that says all the reasons why uh, that they did this. And uh, uh-huh. the, there's the little boxes that are checked off. In my case, they were um, because the DVD had depictions of urination or feces. Okay. Uh, okay. They uh, there was depictions of ridicule. That's my favorite one. <laughs> you cannot. <laughs> what, what? Apparently, that is against the rules in Canada. There what? was a border crossing guard on the cover with an arrow through his head. <laughs> no, yeah. it's uh, this is somebody who got bullied in high school and they're like, yeah. I can't take this anymore. Well, it actually says ridicule slash humiliation. Okay. Oh, okay. So, right. But I'm I was like, well, I think they got me for ridicule. <laughs> so they probably how far into the they, they they found the box yeah they took it out of the box yeah they put it in the DVD player yeah how far along do you think they got I wonder I really because they, 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 they don't tell all you. the way through they don't tell you you know that, it's my job <laughs> well I gotta as, watch this all the way through as somebody who has seen Retardotron you probably didn't have to get very far no. yeah yeah <laughs> Um, and then the other thing was um, uh, I- images of sexuality mixed with violence in any capacity. And this, of course, this could this could be open, totally open to interpretation. Uh, I mean, they see, they see consensual BDSM as as violence, right? So, so things that you know people are it's, it's consensual, but you know that there's any sort of like aggression or anything involved that's uh, that's against the rules in Canada. That only happens under the stairs in the closet in my house. <laughs> I don't want to see it on the TVT. That but I mean, explains I mean, that stain. The, the ludicrousness <laughs> of this is, you know, in the internet age, is that any idiot with a, you know, an iPhone or a computer can see yeah. anything that was on my DVD mm-hmm. uh, easily, and you know, nothing, none of which was illegal. None of the footage was illegal, mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, it's, it's just, you know, Canadian anti-obscenity rules are absolutely, you know, anachronistic and silly. Yeah, they just don't. Have What's great sense. about uh, there's so much great about the internet. I I am such a fanboy of the internet for so many reasons, and the fact that censorship is really hard to enforce now because of it is great. And also, we're seeing nothing bad is happening because of this. Like yeah. kids can now easily they know every single swear nothing word. They can, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Nothing bad. Nothing bad. Not nothing. More good has happened than bad. Let's say it that way. Uh, uh, that you know, kids can. I mean, sure, they can find uh, hardcore pornography, but like we're not seeing major cultural shifts despite the major cultural shift in the access to this stuff, right? Yeah. So we're not seeing all of a sudden kids can get pornography and all of a sudden there's rape happening everywhere. It's probably the opposite. That well, I think one of the crazier porn things... Instead of going out. One of the crazier things is that the kids are making their pornography. That's true. You're talking about like sexting and yeah. texting yeah. pictures to and each other. Yeah, They're exactly. kids... Yeah, I, that's a difficult subject to <laughs> figure out what the rules should be. 
Well, on the topic of uh, kind of TV, DVD type stuff, I have a list from Neatorama of a few interesting censorships in the history of television. Wait, Neatorama? Neatorama.com. Okay. You've never uh, been there? No, I just find it interesting. Retardotron and Neatorama. They have uh, something in common. O. (laughs) The O's. In 1942, Tweety Bird first appeared in uh, A Tale of Two Kitties. Animator Bob Clampett originally draws him without feathers, but the Hayes Office Censorship Bureau thinks the plucked bird is just a little too naked. (laughs) So Clampett covers Tweety's titillating flesh with yellow plumage. (laughs) And Bob Clampett's response in the episode, a cat yells to his partner, Give me the Boyd! To which the other cat responds, if the Hayes office would let me, I'd give him the bird all right. <laughs> ah. <laughs> hey In 1959, on the dramatic series Playhouse 90... That was a pretty clever line from a guy named Clampett. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> on the dramatic series Playhouse 90, an episode titled Judgment at Nuremberg has all references to gas chambers eliminated from its reenactment of the Nazi trials. This is done at the behest of the show's slightly sensitive sponsor... The American Gas Association. <laughs> they, they, I think they just chose to sponsor poorly. They yeah. should have like uh, they should have let somebody else, like the Clean Air Society sponsor that. Oh, one. the original the original uh, sponsor was for showers, so that didn't work either. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 1979, The Muppet Show is banned from TV in Saudi Arabia because of Miss Piggy. <laughs> 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 the Prophet Muhammad declared right. the flesh of swine an abomination. Right. Uh, merchandise bearing her likeness is confiscated from shops and destroyed. Right, but, but, the, on- but the only person actually eating Miss Piggy on the show is Kermit, right? <laughs> oh! And that's only in the deleted scenes that you find on the DVD. Oh. Like. Yeah. 2006, Comedy Central prevents South Park from using the image of the Prophet Muhammad in the episode Cartoon Wars. However, for the benefit of freeze-frame geeks everywhere, Trey Parker and Matt Stone sneak a tiny Muhammad into the opening credits in a shot that shows every resident of the town. Yeah, that whole, that whole incident was ridiculous because they had already had Muhammad on the show in <laughs> Jesus and His Amazing Super Friends. Yeah. Uh, as one of the characters, completely uncensored. Well, I, I also saw an interview with Matt Stone and Trey Parker right before the uh, South Park movie came out. Yep. And they talked about the fact that as soon as uh, the studio greenlit the South Park movie, uh, they were assigned a personal censor right. from the MPAA, the Motion Picture Association of America. And uh, they had every time they wrote a scene or a page of, of, of the script, they mm-hmm. had to show it to the censor. Yeah. And they decided early on that whatever the censor said they couldn't do, when he gave it back to them, he wouldn't tell them what they had to do to replace it. He just right. said, you can't do that. Yeah. And they decided that they were going to replace it with something worse. Yes. Every time he censored something, they would make it worse. So, like, for instance, the, title, the original title of the movie was uh, South Park Goes to Hell. Mm-hmm. And the censor didn't like the word hell in the title. So <laughs> then they ended up with South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. Yes. Which, of course, is a giant penis reference. Yeah. yeah. Which was too clever for the censor. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and I guess, and I mean, that movie is hilarious, but so disgusting. Yeah. And I, 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 I think it's hilarious that if they'd given them no censor at all, it would not have been as foul as it was. Yeah, there's all sorts of stuff in there that is way dirtier than it needed to be. I remember, remember the one where Satan is waving around the dildo? The dildo, yeah. the dildo is actually a picture of a penis. Yeah. 
but they're presenting it as a dildo, so the censor was like, "No, it's a dildo. It's fine. You can have yeah. it." <laughs> well, even though I wonder, I always wondered if the censor got like kind of Stockholm syndrome, right? Then <laughs> he got, <laughs> got in there, right? And they just he kept saying, "Oh, you know, guys, maybe not that." And they sent something back to me. He's like, "Oh God, that's worse." Um, <laughs> hey, can we try this again? And it comes back even worse. He's like, oh, "I forget it. I'm, I give up. I throw up my hands." Yeah. Like if the censor at some point in time was beaten into submission by them. <laughs> Perhaps this reminds me of again. We bring this up almost every episode. Fight Club. Yeah. Uh, after Marla and Tyler have sex, the original line was, "I want to have your abortion." Yeah, and test audiences yeah. cringed, and so they said, "You've got to change that to something else." <laughs> so they changed it to, "I haven't been fucked like that since grade school," which is apparently fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, much less offensive. <laughs> I think um, one of the most notorious and outrageous examples of film censorship uh, gone awry is in a supposedly free country in our lifetimes was this... Uh, Sweden? Uh, it was, no, it was actually in England. Okay. In, uh, it was called the Video Nasties uh, incident. Uh, it happened in the early 80s uh, in the conservative media in the UK, most specifically uh, the Daily Mail. And uh, this woman named Mary Whitehouse, uh, who was with a group called the National Viewers and Listeners Association, uh, began blaming uh, genre films uh, for many of society's evils. Uh, and due to this media frenzy, an infamous bill uh, was passed called the Video Recordings Act of 1984. Anyway, oh, 1984. Keep... Yeah. Uh, yeah. So keep in mind, this was at the very beginning of like when VHS and beta were taking off. And I mean, finally, here you are after decades. Uh, you can finally sit in your own home and watch a movie and, you know, when you want to watch it. Are you sure these lawmakers just didn't think that Orwell's book was an instruction manual? <laughs> they didn't just sort of like go, hey, this is the year. This is our year. We're going to do it. <laughs> and then, you know, and, and suddenly you've got some government uh, you know, saying, you know, no, oh, no, there's a scene of uh, something, something violence happening in this movie. You can't watch it in your own home. Uh, so, I mean, basically the way it, that it worked is you had large portions of movies were censored. Uh, a, a large list was made of all the movies that were banned from the country. And I'm, I'm not talking about, like, you know, anything illegal. I'm talking about, like, uh, Evil Dead, uh, right. The Burning with Jason Alexander from Seinfeld. Was he doing George Costanza in the movie? <laughs> the Burning! The Seinfeld uh, Natural Born Killers, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay, well, Natural Born Killers is, uh, you know, uh, an abomination, so you'll <laughs> ban it anyway. If you don't ban it for being bad. Oh, it <laughs> should, but maybe it should. The Exorcist. I mean, and, then, and on top of that, you had, like, police raids happening where people's doors are being kicked in, and this anti-obscenity Gestapo would come in and, like, raid your your video store and... And you know they're looking for banned films, and of course, what this does is just like prohibition. It creates a, a like a, a bootleg, market, yeah. a bootleg yeah. industry. So yeah. you had this giant bootleg in, in industry happening, in making the UK. Beta Max tapes, a giant <laughs> still in your back. Ridiculous. <laughs> and like some of the stuff that was getting seized was like um, there's one incident. It's, uh, it was the, the Dolly Parton Burt Reynolds comedy, the best little whorehouse in Texas. <laughs> yes, oh, yeah. which is like. It is right. the least racy yeah, movie like, about a whorehouse that has ever, ever been It was made. the most yeah. successful musical of the 1980s. It made $70 million. Yeah. There's, there's a bit of trivia for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just thought it was, it was crazy. It's it was just because it had whorehouse in the title, and people exactly, were kind of hoping yeah. that they were going to get to see Dolly Parton's boobs. That's why it made so much money. <laughs> there was no nudity in it. I know. Yeah, and yeah. boy, did they not. Yeah. <laughs> I watched. I I don't I remember any of the every single. <laughs> I don't remember any of the details of that movie, but I remember watching it, being like, "Man, this is gonna be awesome." She's this got is some, going straight in the spank because that was what Joe's like thinking. mid '80s, yeah. And I was like, "What? That's it? That's a whorehouse movie?" Disappointing. One of the better known censorship on TV happenings was Elvis Presley on the Ed Sullivan Show. 
Contrary to popular belief, though, he wasn't censored every time he showed up. He wasn't even censored the first two times. It was the third time he appeared on the show. And the last time. Uh, and the last. Yeah. And they filmed him only from the waist up. So you could not see his gyrating hips. Well, no, I think, I've actually, I think they filmed him entirely, but they stuck a black bar across the bottom no. half. No, it was filmed. No? They, the, the way that it, the uh, angle was shot. I actually have a video I can oh, I'll post. Oh. I believe this one is actually from... The show. So yeah. you can see it's shot like this where it's basically uh, belly button up. That is an awesome glittery vest, though. <laughs> and yeah. you know what? It probably had the uh, negative uh, unintended consequences because now you're just featuring his really pretty face. Yeah, I, absolutely. And also, uh, they noted that during Hound Dog and uh, other songs like that, the crowd went crazy. Right. But the studio audience could see what he was doing, uh, but the home audience couldn't. But that made it more naughty for people How? watching. Right. They're like, oh How? my God, what's he doing? I can't he's see. Just, he's not wearing pants. The, the, <laughs> the framing ended up becoming almost like lingerie, where <laughs> like you can't see it, but it's, it's sexier highlighting because she's something. wearing more clothes. Exactly. <laughs> you, know what, exactly. you know what I think is the most awesome thing about this? clip how old are his backup singers they look like they're a thousand it's his dad yeah, yeah they're all like i've been singing professionally for 20 years and this punk is now the king yeah, of rock and roll <laughs> uh yeah so obviously we'll post this on the website for the listeners uh yeah. caustic soda podcast.com if you want to go and check out his octogenarian backup singers people wonder why this happened especially considering it was the third time he'd been on the show uh the simplest and most probable explanation is simply that after the first two people complained and right. so they said, this time we're going to shoot it that way. But Too there are some gyrations. more outrageous theories on why this happened. One is that the colonel forced Sullivan to apologize publicly for remarks he'd made about Elvis to the press the previous summer. And the waste up order was Sullivan's way of getting back at the colonel. Uh, conspiracy so like, How theories. dare you make me apologize publicly? The wildest explanation was offered by a former director of the Ed Sullivan Show who said that during his second appearance, Elvis put a cardboard tube down the front of his trousers oh. and manipulated it to make the studio audience scream. Now, was this like toilet roll tube or was this Christmas wrapping tube? <laughs> <laughs> they did call him the king. <laughs> uh, to avoid a repeated occurrence of that behavior, Sullivan supposedly insisted on the above-the-waist coverage for Elvis's final appearance. Yeah. But there's no proof of that, and I, I think we have some footage, and it doesn't really look like that's what right. happened. Right. Well, Robin, uh, you had some. Uh, you wanted to talk about hentai? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, of course. Who he doesn't does. want to talk about hentai? Go on. Uh, Let's there, talk more. Watch. <laughs> there was a, a Japanese uh, manga artist named uh, uh, Toshiro Maeda, and he was responsible for some of the more notorious hentai porn. Uh, anime and manga in the mid '80s, stuff like uh, Yuratsuki Doji, uh, La Blue Girl, uh, Demon Beast Invasion. Anyway, he was, of course, saddled with the problem of strict Japanese censorship rules that uh, prohibited showing uh, penises. Right. And of course, you know that's you know well, you want to show your, you're doing porn, right? So, yeah. yeah. So he had this really inventive way around this, uh, which was to invent the popular genre of Japanese tentacle porn. Okay. They're not penises, they're tentacles. Exactly. Uh, so he could depict all of the graphic penetration he wanted, often brutal rape scenes, uh, as long as the ladies were penetrated by something non-offensive like slimy tentacles and not something right. disgusting like a penis. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the horrible, like, Cthulhu-esque monster instead. Yeah. Right. yeah. Well, it's I mean, uh, although, uh, flashback to our tentacles episode, uh, tentacle porn had actually been around in Japanese culture for it's true. hundreds I'm, I'm, of years. I'm, I'm speaking more of the modern version. Yeah, yeah. But, but he, yeah. he adapted that, like, a cultural tradition, yeah. shall we say? Yeah, he was, he was the, the next wave. But I, I find it interesting that he started, and then it's been this, it's been a wide-reaching genre for 
We have decades now. Ever since, yeah. yeah. Now, do you know, is that, are these standards still in place, like, from... Well, the funny thing is, if you look at, like, <laughs> like an image, like, uh, uh, some of our listeners might know Tub Girl. Right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you've don't, got don't this... Don't worry, I'm not putting it up. You've got, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> you've got this woman who's, you know, on her back with her butt in the air, and she's shooting what looks like a butterscotch enema into her own mouth, and yet what's censored out is her disgusting vagina. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean... <laughs> I mean, what? It doesn't even make sense. Yeah, right? they, yeah. They, they... The rules have gone so far that they... they that's, I don't know. Somebody well, missed a meeting. Yeah. No, you know what happens is that they censor. They know they're going to be censoring the vagina. So they're like, okay, well, what can we do? Yeah, exactly. That doesn't involve the vagina now. That will be over and above what they could possibly imagine they would need to I censor. Suppose. But her her pooched butthole <laughs> is fully. <laughs> why is that not? I mean, whatever. Because babies don't come out of that. <laughs> Only food babies. <laughs> Food babies are okay. Usually, I would ask somebody what they meant by the term pooched butthole, but I'm ready to move on. <laughs> what is Exit to Eden? Oh, um, yeah. I was living in Saskatoon uh, in the uh, early song, 90s. Sorry. Yeah. All the best stories start with that. I was living in Saskatoon. Uh, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, for some of our American listeners. Uh, and they, uh, they actually banned the uh, Rosie O'Donnell, Dan Aykroyd comedy Exit to Eden. In Saskatchewan. In only in, Sus- only in, only Saskatchewan. in Saskatchewan. I mean, this is, I don't know, it's a total embarrassment to us as Sus- Sus- Saskatchewan natives. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, it's, it's just a zany Gary Marshall comedy. It's not, but I mean, you know, maybe in, their, in the censor's defense, the prospect of seeing Rosie O'Donnell in a leather uh, fetish gear. Yeah. Maybe, had, you know, maybe it was for the best. Well, Rosie yeah. O'Donnell and Dan Aykroyd, I mean, when you hear those two names, the first thing you think of is sexy. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Too <laughs> sexy for TV. Hey, some people like that. Yeah. Why make fun of what she looks like? I was making fun of make Dan fun Aykroyd of the fact she's not funny. Her. Um, yeah, well, that's kind of where I'm coming at too. Yeah, I just don't like Rosie O'Donnell. Yeah, as a person, let's yeah. not make fun of her not being attractive. <laughs> uh, I was making fun of Dan Aykroyd not being attractive as well. You oh yeah, right over that, that guy. You can make fun of for not being attractive because he's out of his fucking mind. That's a sexual double standard. You're it's, sexist. You're, no, it's also because he's crazy. Crystal well, so Skull Rosie Vodka. O'Donnell. Have you seen some of her videos online? A- no. She's bonkers. I don't look at her videos. She's ugly. <laughs> <laughs> what are some other movies that are on the censorship topic? Well, my, one of my personal favorites, V for Vendetta. Yeah, the bag men come in and uh, take everybody out, and uh, Stephen Fry's character has his little... His little uh, hidey hole full of censored stuff, and V himself is in a... Uh, uh, has stolen back a lot of censored works of art and whatnot, and portrays them in his in his lair. Mm. So yeah, it's a, a society in which censorship reigns supreme over everything. Yeah, and it's a fantastic depiction of a classic Alan Moore comic book that it's Alan Moore comic, doesn't yeah. want. Alan Moore doesn't want to have anything to do with the movie, but I. I thought I always thought the movie was a pretty faithful adaptation. It's pretty good as far as adaptations go. I think it's about as good as it could have been. Yeah, absolutely. And still been a movie that they expected to make money on. Yeah, and I I thought the same thing about Watchmen. Yet Alan Moore distanced himself from that as well. I think that's the problem. It's a movie that can make money. Uh, Yeah, that's probably what Alan Moore is. I think that's a fairly reasonable expectation, though. You know, unless you've got some kind of multi-millionaire who's willing to no make it perfect the way it should be and don't worry about selling. 
Other than, other than that, you're just not going to get it done. I so. saw a, uh, somebody posted on Facebook a, a screen capture of Alan Moore doing an interview in the UK. And, uh, you know, they always run the name and then a slight description of the person. <laughs> yes. And it was like Alan Moore and it said something like artist slash wizard or something yeah. like that. <laughs> he calls himself a hedge magician. Yeah. yeah. And he has well, this he giant, yeah. giant beard and hair right now that makes him look so Gandalf. It's hysterical. What about this film is not yet rated? Yeah, I rewatched that for this episode and really good documentary about the MPAA's rating board. Yeah. It's a little overly dramatic as they hunt down the members of the board because they're all secret and they right. hired uh, I mean, these it is private kind of, detectives and stuff. It is kind of odd that their identities are really yeah. Yeah, firmly held secret. They, absolutely, that should have been pointed out, but they spend almost half of it trying to find them, and it could have yeah. been cut down to half the length and I think still worked better as a documentary. And they but, talk about some of the how some of these people on the board are totally not qualified... Yeah, you're supposed to have children between the ages of 7 and 18, I believe. Uh, I can, I'll correct that in the post if I'm wrong. And many of them did when they joined the board, but now some of them have children who are like 28 and 35, and they're still on the board, still making decisions about what gets rated in what way. Right. Uh, it also talks about how there's no strict definition of what is right and what is wrong. It's just basically up to the whim of the people on the board at that time watching right. that movie at that time. Yeah. And many people actually won't even get responses about what was acceptable and what wasn't. Yeah. They'll just be like, nope, that's an NC-17. Well, what was wrong with it? Well, just lots of it. Fix it. One of the things I found interesting about the documentary is where they talked about um, how much harder and stricter the board is on images of uh, nudity or sexuality than it is on right. violence. Like, you know, you show someone kissing a nipple, uh, yeah. that'll get uh, cut or, or get a much harsher rating than someone, you know, cutting off a nipple. And really telling was the the few that they showed, uh, was it Boys Don't Cry, and I think there was another one, which showed these scenes of feminine pleasure, like women basically lying back. They were shot from above the breasts up, so it was like basically a head and shoulders shot. So they're naked, but you're not seeing anything. But they're basically orgasming. They're, yeah. they're enjoying what's going on out of frame. But that was one of the scenes. They said, it goes on too long. Well, That was one of the comments from they, the they board. They said that... that scene where she's having sex and all it is is just the above the shoulders it lasted too long well right. too long for what <laughs> like do, do you probably want... not the young lady in question <laughs> well, ironically was, everyone acting. knows that it's the male orgasm that is the short one <laughs> I, yeah maybe that's it we, we don't want women to think that they get the better deal <laughs> can you make them just make a goofy face and then fall asleep because yeah, that would go be nice go cross-eyed and then fart <laughs> cross-eyed and fart <laughs> Who have you been having sex? <laughs> <laughs> himself, duh. A mirror. He films himself on his iPhone and then watches it later. Take notes. Haha. <laughs> works I don't on his performance. Hmm, cross-eyed. That one really worked that time. <laughs> Go cross-eyed. It's like you're doing it with somebody else. Uh, I think we're good. We can do questions if you want. All right. What's your What's your name? Peter. Peter, what's your question? Um, wasn't there a case recently where a guy was uh, arrested in Toronto for bringing manga over the border or something like that? Yes. Yes. I, I do remember that. <laughs> Hold on. We'll get, we'll get the information. The criminal charges were dropped. Who was this and what was the manga? Uh, do, do Ryan know? Matheson was a U.S. citizen accused of bringing child pornography into Canada after border officials discovered manga art on his computer. Uh, it took him two years and $75,000 in legal fees to protect himself. But he... And totally again, worth it. Great use but, of uh, taxpayers' money. It was the comic book... Actually, it was the comic book legal defense fund that uh, paid for, I think, most of his defense. I don't yeah, have the exact details did. here. Yeah. I just found this now. 
Uh, oh, twenty thousand dollars they raised, uh, and the Canadian Comic Legends Legal Defense also collected eleven thousand dollars. So again, if after this you guys are pissed off about censorship, please go donate some money to either one of those: Comic Legal Defense Fund in the states, Comic Legends Legal Defense Fund here in Canada. And we're going to put links up on the website uh, on this post. The Comic Book Legal Defense Fund and Comic Book Legends Legal Defense Fund are very honorable causes. But yeah. is this just shining a light on the fact that people who like comic books have no money? <laughs> we're all we're all terribly poor as a general rule. I know I am, <laughs> and, yeah. we, and we need assistance in legal defense. So you're saying they should donate to us? <laughs> no, no, not at all. I just yes. I, I'm shining a spotlight. <laughs> we have a donate button on our site. Who's got a question over here? Uh, this is fully turning into a Phil I Donahue love doing situation. This. You got <laughs> Phil Donahue used to run a lot faster than this, Torn. I love Torn running. What's around. your name, Aaron? Aaron, what's your question? Uh, it's about video game censorship. We see all these ratings um, right. by there. What do they actually take out of these games? And is there any actual games out there that would say uncensored? Much like the Comics Code Authority, video game companies have created their own self-regulatory system called the ESRB, the Entertainment Software Ratings Board. They basically rate them much like uh, they would uh, films with uh, PG-13, things like that. I can't remember their exact ratings. Uh, and some games do get released outside of that. Uh, most specifically would be uh, Postal 2, which we talked about. I can't remember which episode it was. Yeah, I don't remember. Uh, I've played it. It is absolutely a repulsive game, and joyously so. Uh, but I, even I just got... I, I don't think it should be banned, but... Look. I think it was the Wrath episode. There's a P button in the game. A P button. Uh, button. You can urinate. And also the game, it's a first-person shooter, and you're basically a complete dickhole in a town of total assholes. And so they're worse than you, but you're still a jerk. If you point a gun at somebody who doesn't have a weapon, like just somebody walking around the town, they'll get on their knees and beg for their life. And then you can press the urinate button. <laughs> and they'll beg for you to stop as they're voice changes as obviously liquid is entering their mouth while they're they screaming. Yeah, it's a really, it's really disturbing game. But again, I it shouldn't be that. censored. You just shouldn't play it. You know, one thing, you know, one thing we didn't talk about, which uh, was a total censor censorship issue and, and uh, a corporate one at that, mm. was that when, you know, when you used to actually buy DVDs and CDs in stores, publishers or creators and, and studios would create a Walmart cut because a vast majority of all the sales in America would be done through Walmart of both album sales and DVD sales. And Walmart is run by fundamentalist Christians and they objected to a lot of this material. So they would do special censored editions that would, they would sell in Walmart. I think it was the same thing at Blockbuster too, wasn't it? I don't know about Blockbuster. I think but once, I definitely know once Walmart. Walmart did it, those releases I think became more and more standard that they would offer them to yeah, different Yeah, well, because like, like 30% of all sales were being done through Walmart. So it behooved them to do a cut as opposed to being, they would just be left off the shelves if they didn't do it, right? right. right. So Walmart had their own internal board of censors. And from what I understand about the ESRB, they're much more open about their ratings and they have very defined rules for what goes where. So there's been a lot less complaints about the ESRB uh, censoring things. Also, Video games are quite obviously selling just fine to adults, so there's not that same push with movies where they want to get the widest possible audience and sell to everybody by losing that R rating and therefore kind of getting that chilling effect. Got another question here. What's your name? Nasrin. And what's your question? Um, what would you um, say if somebody made uh, a satire or a comic about your, your I discussion would love it. here? If you're, if you're asking if people would make fun of us, yeah. absolutely do it. I'll post it on the post for this if you because want to do that. Because it's like free... Um, free speech. No, it's free. 
marketing for you. Marketing, sure. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, people should absolutely be able to make fun of us. And if, if they have a legitimate... over the line. What if, if it really goes much to... I mean, if it depicts I, you, Joe, having sex with a five-year-old? No, no, no. If, <laughs> if you would like... No, no, if it would become racist, if they would say, well, there are two, four, four white guys right. talking... Right. Part of, um, I think that you have the right to say things that are wrong. Power group. You have the right to say things that are wrong. If you would like to say things about me that are wrong, you should have that right. Then it's wrong. If it's depicting you in that way, it would be wrong. Yeah, incorrect is what I mean. That's what I say you wrong. think. You can say That's that. That's your opinion. That's your opinion that if somebody says, right. well, you're for white guys. Yeah, we've, yeah. We've had a, we had a slavery episode, and our introduction to slavery was episode was four white guys talk about something they'd know nothing about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. As we recognize that we are not experts, that we are part of the patriarchy. Yeah. Uh, you know, we try to be cognizant and we're certainly open to criticism and I think that's kind of what our point is. I, is I think the show is an opinion piece. Yeah. I, I think I think our... our we're we're op if if somebody wants to make comic books or or, any, or critique us in any way, we are absolutely open to it. I'm if you want to Photoshop me as Tub Girl, go ahead. <laughs> I, I think I, I, I support think, your right think, to do that. I think one of our chief slogans, "Hard science from soft people," sort of encapsulates <laughs> us nicely because we we poke fun at ourselves, and so feel free to poke fun at us as well. Yeah. Any other questions? Oh, hello, sir. What's your name? Hi, everybody. Hey, it's Dr. Hi, Dr. Rob. Rob. Uh, hey, everybody, just before Dr. Rob asks his question, uh, he passed his certification exam to become a, is a, a doctor of nuclear medicine. Is that the... Nuclear uh, medicine. Uh, okay. Uh, so he is now, uh, he's now a double doctor. Congratulations. We went out last night to celebrate. And my hair will be green next time you see me. Uh -huh. Doc Sampson. At last. You mentioned the first guy tried for obscenity in the U.S. Actually, Convicted. in... Convicted. In 1832, a Dr. Charles Knowlton published a book called Fruits of Philosophy, which is basically a guide to young married couples on contraception. And this book he would only show privately. Uh, a reverend in the town where he was practicing thought this was just outrageous. And in a test three years later, someone got a hold of the book and published a bunch of copies. Poor Knowlton got arrested and was sentenced to three months of hard labor for blasphemy. Oh, wow. nice. For the outrageous topic of contraception. Uh -huh. Was the hard labor making condoms out of uh, sheep intestines? Because <laughs> that would have been ironic. Maybe one more question. What's your name? Sam. Sam, what's your question? Um, I know you mentioned the Hayes Code earlier, but why didn't you go in deeper? Because we're almost out of time. Time constraints. <laughs> <laughs> a separate episode. Uh, we'll probably put a link or something up on the website, and, uh, and you can uh, do, your, do your research. Yeah. We've also, we also do, for those who haven't seen our show before, we, we do one topic, and then later on we'll do follow-ups episodes where we will do things that we might have missed or got wrong uh, or just really should have talked about. So I'm sure that when we do a follow-ups episode, we're going to have a lot of censorship stuff to talk about. This That's is right. such a, I mean, it's been happening for so long. It's only been really recently that free speech has become something that people have widely recognized as or being important. It, like it, anticipate or expect. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, uh, you know, the Commerce Code Authority... Just it was last year that they that they stopped bowing down to that. Well, I'd like to thank our special guest, Robin Bougie. Hey, check him out at uh, cinemasewer.com. Do you post stuff on Facebook as well? I do. I'm kind the of a Facebook that you're junkie. To put on, yeah. put on Facebook. Yeah, I'm on uh, under either Robin Bougie or or Cinema Sewer on Facebook. Nice. And thanks you to all of you for coming.
Hey, and thank you to the Roundhouse Theater and the Vancouver Community or Vancouver Comics Arts Festival. I think it's we Roundhouse hope- Community Center. What did I say? Theater. Okay. Right. Well, we're in a theater now, so right. you can see, you could get my confusion. <laughs> and we'll see you on the internet. Uh, as well, we've got uh, Caustic Soda T-shirts for sale at Table Eight, which is immediately on your right as you exit the theater. Oh yeah, we make comics too. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Acts of Violence. Uh, we've got a comic there for sale, which Torn did the art for, and I co-wrote with my partner, Todd Island. Todd! Who's uh, manning the goddamn uh, table? It's such a weird feeling to know you're alive. It's such an awful feeling. You're dying inside, and when you wake up, startled to say, I hope I don't go crazy today. It's such a bad feeling, an ominous feeling. A feeling you know that we'll be back when the week is new And we'll have more gross facts for you And you'll have things you want to hear about We will too Caustic Soda was recorded by Mike Leeson while he was receiving maggot therapy. To comment on episodes, make a donation, see show notes, links, and videos, visit causticsodapodcast.com. Rate and review us on iTunes. Visit us on Facebook. Email us at info at causticsodapodcast.com. 